0: she's sharp pointed and insightful this is stacy on the right on american family radio and urban family talk now stacy washington
1: welcome to the show thanks for being with us today Head over to Stacey on the right on Twitter and Instagram and hit the follow button so you can see all the cool stuff that we put out. And um, welcome to hour two of the program. We're going to be discussing uh, all of this ridiculousness that's going on at the southern border. Uh, But what I want to start off with is Maxine Waters, who is, you know, she has to have her name in the news. She has to have uh, a different um, kind of pats on the backs and high fives from people And in order to get those, she has to be very, very not mainstream. She has to be outside of the pale. She has to be extreme. And she's really, she seems to have learned nothing from getting that kind of verbal smackdown from Nancy, uh, Nancy Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer when she made the original offending comments about running Trump supporters and Trump administration officials out of the public eye, running them out of grocery stores and gas stations. She seems not to have learned nothing from that. Here she is talking about how she threatens Trump supporters all the time. It's number one. Uh, there are those who said uh, that we lacked civility when I got up and talked about uh, the president's cabinet. And I said, if you see him anywhere, if you see him at a restaurant, if you see him in a department store, even at a gasoline station, just tell him you're not welcome here anywhere. it frightened a lot of people. And of course, the lying president said that I had threatened all of his constituents. I did not threaten his constituents, his supporters. Uh, I do that all the time, but I didn't do it that time. So she says she does it all the time, but she didn't do it that time. So if she does it all the time, then how is the president lying? And why is this about Donald Trump? She said what she said about regular people like just regular folks who are running around whether they work for the white house or not if they support the president and you know about it they shouldn't be allowed to be in public spaces that is not american that's third world pit activity not not american activity we don't run each other out of public spaces because we're on one side of the political aisle or the other now if you're practicing communism perhaps you should be sat down and had a stern talking to because you know communism is is atheism and it's also responsible for the deaths of hundreds of millions of people around the world in the history of 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 the modern era since since communism became a thing look at what communist china is doing to christians right now forcing them to burn their bibles ripping down their crosses in their little home churches and Basically telling them they have to sign documents renouncing Christianity because the Communist Party of China is an atheist organization and the only person you're allowed to praise is communism in general, the the concept, the party, and you're allowed to praise the leader of China, the head of the Communist Party. You are not allowed to praise God. You're not allowed to praise Jesus Christ. And so one of those Christians, she's, she's actually on, there's a video that's been circulating around where she says in Chinese, she says, it doesn't matter that they destroy our Bibles. It doesn't matter that they destroy our home churches. She says, nothing will destroy the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Those are the words of someone who truly understands what it means to be persecuted for their faith and to hold on to it because it is dearer to her than her life itself. And she's gonna go out, Claiming the name of Jesus. It's interesting that we have that going on in China. And that is a news story. Simultaneous to this statement by Maxine Waters. That not for, for faith reasons. Not for practicing Islam. Not for uh, you know, criminal activities. Not for raping people or kidnapping them. Or entering this country illegally. Not for going to fight for ISIS. And then traveling back to the United States. And acting like you're a regular person. For none of those things should be, you be run out of public. You should be run out of public because you didn't vote for the Democrats. Let that soak into you for a second. This woman is actually paid by you and I. Our tax dollars fund this lunacy that you just heard there. So going back to our wonderful caller from the last of at the end of last hour talking about abortion and, and there have been some comments Um So the the numbers, the most recent numbers that I've seen from the Census Bureau put the black population in America at 13.8% of the total. And out of that 13.8%, 7% of those are black women. And so those are the most updated numbers I've seen from the Census Bureau as uh, it pertains to that. So just add 40% to that number and that's how many blacks would be here in America if it weren't for abortion. So speaking of that, you have the court in Missouri, and this is right here. And like, we literally had a press conference about this, where we all wore white and held up the reasons why women were being hauled away from the St. Louis Planned Parenthood for hemorrhages and uh, you know excessive bleeding, all kinds of of really things that are not supposed to happen if it's safe, legal, and rare by cert- board certified physicians with Admitting privileges to hospitals, oh, but wait, they don't have admitting privileges to the hospital, so they just basically put the women that they've they've damaged into an ambulance and say, "Okay, well, you know, get them to the hospital. No no phone call, no, we have a patient coming in, and here's what we saw in in you know in the clinic. No, they just put them in an ambulance and send them on their way. They're done with them. they've gotten their money. So this ruling lifts an injunction against a law requiring that abortionists in the state of Missouri have hospital admitting privileges. Uh, If this this is where the rubber meets the road, this is where pro-life people, we can influence our legislators to enact legislation like this, regardless of what we think the Supreme Court is going to say, regardless of what Planned Parenthood says, regardless of what your friends and neighbors who wear those pink outfits and they wear the the anatomical hats and they're constantly praising pro-abortion activity, regardless of what they say, it's about whether or not you you know and understand Women are getting duped into going to, into these these abortion mills. And when they're in there, not all of them come out the way they went in. And I don't mean pregnant. I mean, they're getting hurt. They're, the ambulances are being called and we've been documenting it here in the state of Missouri. So Missouri can move forward with abortion safety reforms after a federal appeals court has lifted an injunction against the state law that was passed here through our legislative process requiring abortionists to have hospital admitting privileges. On Monday, the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals overturned a lower court ruling that blocked Missouri from enforcing a 2007 state law that required all abortion facilities to maintain partnerships with nearby hospitals. Now, please tell me how that hurts the Planned Parenthood to simply have any of the physicians who are doing abortions at their mill have admitting privileges. I can tell you how it hurts. Some of the doctors who work for Planned Parenthood don't have admitting privileges because they've been censured. They've had different problems with their medical licenses. That's right. They're not doctors in good standing. So they can't get admitting privileges. So rather than Planned Parenthood saying, well, we're going to find some doctors who can get admitting privileges, they're like, nobody wants to work here but these guys. So this is who we're stuck with. So we got to fight these laws. So they say the laws are uh, anti-abortion. Well, I don't know how anti-abortion it could be if the law says abortionists need admitting privileges. It doesn't say you can't do the abortions. You, they're legal. It doesn't say that the person also has to come to know Jesus Christ and the saving grace of the cross. It doesn't say they have to start attending a God-fearing, Bible-believing, preaching, teaching church where the Holy Spirit can be felt in, in the midst. It doesn't say anything about that. It just says, as a matter of course, a physician performing abortions needs to have admitting privileges at a hospital within 40 miles of the clinic, 40 miles, because that's about, you know, as far as you can go before the person can't be saved. The life-saving measures in the ambulance just won't, they, 40 miles is, is actually a little too far. So the preliminary injunction, according to the unanimous ruling, the preliminary injunction in this case was entered into based on less than adequate information and an insufficient regard for the relevant standard and the Comprehensive Health of Planned Parenthood Great Plains had argued that the safety safety measures could shut down its clinic in Columbia, leaving the nation's top abortion provider with only one location in Missouri, which is the one on Forest Park. If these laws are to take effect, women will now have to travel farther, wait longer, and use more of their own resources to access the health care they need most, the health care they're speaking of being the termination of a human unborn child. The euphemisms just knock me off my, I mean, come on healthcare. So Planned Parenthood, Great Plains, president Brandon Hill was speaking to the Kansas city star when he made that spurious statement. Neither Planned Parenthood's national office, nor the Great Plains affiliate responded to the Washington free beacons request for comment on the ruling or whether an appeal is planned. So, They're waiting to see if Justice Kavanaugh gets confirmed before they make a decision on whether or not they want to appeal. An appeal of this case to the Supreme Court could bring the constitutionality of abortion before SCOTUS with a 5-4 majority on the conservative side. So they're going to think long and hard before they decide to appeal this. So this also represents a major win for Attorney General Josh Hawley. We have requested Claire McCaskill to come on the program. We will continue to ask her to join us on the program to speak about her views on abortion and this law specifically. And um, abortion supporters had hoped the Supreme Court's 5-4 Hellerstedt ruling striking down similar safety reforms in Texas in 2016 would help Planned Parenthood prevail in Missouri. The appellate court, however, said the district court failed to establish factual findings that led the Supreme Court to reach its conclusion. Perhaps there was a unique problem Missouri was responding to. Such a problem may require a different response than what was needed in Texas. The hospital relationship requirement may be appropriate given Missouri's legitimate interest in seeing to it that abortion, like any other medical procedure, like, say, getting a LASIK eye thing done? LASIK eye providers have to have admitting privileges at hospitals. They have to have doorways that are wide enough for a gurney to go through just in case someone's injured and can't walk out of the clinic to get into the ambulance. So the ambulance can take the ambulance bed out of the ambulance and take it through all of the doors to the place wherever the person is is injured and take them from that bed or seat or chair or wherever they are, put them on the gurney and then run them out of the clinic and take them to a hospital. That kind of logical requirement that is mandatory for all clinics doing other procedures, eye lifts, brow lifts, uh, you know, LASIK eye procedures, ear, uh, the, the ear tuck thing that people get done where you have your ears shortened. All those clinics have to have those those requirements, the ambulance safe doors, the automatic doors that open and shut so the ambulance people don't have to try to hold it open all these just normal clinic rules don't apply to Planned Parenthood. So in Missouri, all we said was, you've had 65 ambulance calls in the past, I think it was five-year period that they looked at. 65 ambulance calls, and when the public has asked Planned Parenthood to account for what happened to those women, they refused to respond. So they came up with a bunch of common-sense safety regulations that other clinics have to adhere to, and the clinics here in Missouri that are Planned Parenthood, the two of them that are left, down from 12 to 2, those clinics, all they said was, you just have to be like every other clinic. And the Planned Parenthood said, no, we don't. We're going to sue you. Which, coincidentally, you paid for that, and so did I. Because our $558 million plus the $1.3 billion in reimbursements that they get, that's what they use to do these lawsuits and stuff, to donate to the Democrats, et cetera, et cetera. So the appellate court said, Missouri's legitimate interest in seeing to it that abortion, like any other medical procedure, is performed under circumstances that ensure maximum safety for the patient. Given no such inquiry was made and no findings ascertained, we remand for the district court to do that which Hellerstedt instructed, consider the evidence in the record and weigh the asserted benefits against the burdens. Which means... The original court will have to review the 65 ambulance calls. They will have to use the Sunshine Law to request all information pertaining to those 65 ambulance calls. And Planned Parenthood will have to respond to the queries describing what happened to precipitate those ambulance calls. And if any of the ambulance calls have anything to do with them not operating in the same manner as other clinics that just do your eyes or your ears... It will be rampant justification for the laws that Missouri enacted. It's a slam dunk, and God gets the glory. We've been praying for this, and all I can say is amen. On to the next. We'll be back with more right after this. Stay there.
0: Maybe you've been hearing the messages from Preborn asking listeners to join together to help save babies' lives through ultrasound, and you're not sure how to respond. Here's the story of one woman who took that step.
1: I heard about Mission Preborn just before December of last year and asked my husband if we could give at least 140 Just last week, we received our packet. My husband came in the house, and he was telling me, this is our pre-born packet the ultrasounds i started crying without even seeing them not only were there five babies but one of the moms was having twins we were just elated for that
0: for 140 dollars you can sponsor five ultrasounds and you'll receive a story and a picture of babies lives that were spared all gifts are tax deductible and 100 percent of your sponsorship goes to saving babies To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby or go to preborn.com. This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. When voters go to the polls, they need to not only pay attention to congressional races, but also the races for state legislature. Karl Rove refers to this as the other House race. We talked about his commentary recently on point of view. These days, most people are focusing on the elections of the U.S. House of Representatives. About 60 of the 435 elections will be competitive and ultimately determine whether Republicans or Democrats control the House next year. The other House race is at the state level. Who the voters elect to state legislatures will determine the congressional districts in the next decade. That's why we should also pay attention to the battle over 6,000 contests this fall and another 6,000 races next year and in 2020. Since most state senators serve four-year terms, those elected this November will be the ones casting votes on congressional redistricting plans. None of this has escaped the notice of political parties. Republicans currently hold 67 of 99 chambers. They control both legislatures in 32 states. By contrast, Democrats have legislative majorities in both houses in 14 states. None of this should escape the notice of voters. Who you vote for in the state legislative races this fall and in the near future will determine who you can elect in Congress a few years from now. Remember that I mentioned that only 60 of the 435 races for the House of Representatives are competitive races. I might add that the number is a bit higher than usual because so many Republican members of Congress decided to resign this election. This is yet another reminder that you really need to pay attention to all the candidates you elect up and down the ballot. It will have an impact on you in the future. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. From Universal 1440, Unbroken, Path to Redemption, the rest of World War II hero Louis Zamperini's True Story, in theaters September 14th, rated PG-13. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. There's a problem, and we have Zena Bassett this week, flashing white power signs behind the Brett Kavanaugh hearings. How do we, how do we not stand up to that?
1: Okay, so welcome back to the show. During the Kavanaugh hearings, Zena Bash was seated behind uh, Justice Kavanaugh, and she became the kind of, you know, it seems like every time there's a Senate hearing of any kind. Whoever is seated behind the person doing the testifying, if it's especially if it's a woman, they watch the woman, they watch if she sneezes, if she does anything, if she checks her purse, if she checks her phone. And so there's always a lot of scrutiny. And sometimes there'll even be, oh, the woman is so super cute. Who is it? You know, it looks like a young intern, a young staffer. Does she work for the person who's speaking? Does she who does she work for? And so there'll be a whole bunch of speculation, and someone will write an article. The lady seated behind Justice Kavanaugh is blah. So you've got Xena Bash, and she's sitting back there, and um, she's not an unknown to these people, and she's just sitting with her phone, and they notice that at some points, her fingers are making what looks like the okay sign. Now, if you don't believe that the okay sign is just a regular sign that everyone makes, just type in okay sign in your Google or Bing, I use Bing, Bing search uh, window, and you'll see... Children making the sign, black people making the sign, every so there is no anybody, even foreigners, making the sign of okay, because it's a universal sign okay, it's that's what it is. Well, recently, because the tarring and feathering of people on the right as it pertains to race has not been effective, those who want to divide us are running around saying things like, "If you make this sign with your hand." The three fingers that are, you know, vertical, they form a W and that what that really means is white power. (laughs) So the same symbol that meant, okay, since people had fingers now, all of a sudden, because Donald Trump is the president, means white power. And so you just heard this uh, Illinois candidate uh, for something such something or other basically lying about Zena Bash and saying that she's making the white power sign. So when this was first asserted, when she, I think she uh, was holding her phone and had three, so holding the phone between the the thumb and index finger and her other three fingers were just hanging down and someone said she's making the white power sign behind Justice Kavanaugh and it was a a dog whistle to his white supremacist supporters, which is like so outrageous. Then she was sneezing the next day after she saw it on online social media and every time she sneezed and took a tissue to cover her mouth, she made the okay sign. She overtly made the OK sign and held it next to her face so that it could get caught by the cameras. In other words, she trolled them something awful because she unwittingly made the sign before and then she made it intentionally as if to say, you know, come come at me, bro, because I'm not a white supremacist because she's not. That's where we are right now. If you were to take the temperature of the nation, you'd find, you know, a few million people on online social media arguing and bickering about whether or not a woman who is seated behind someone in a giving testimony in a hearing is making a white supremacist symbol with their fingers. So there is some serious news, and we'll get to that. What's serious is that we have this huge surge in illegal alien border crossings. The problem with this... It's obviously that um, they're doing that because they watch the news just like we do, and they've seen the fight between the president and everyone else, basically, Republicans and Democrats alike joining together to uh, you know, engage in defending lawlessness about the border. Border agents in South Texas saw an increase in migrant families making illegal crossings because they know that they're going to get catch and release. The number of Central American families arrested for entering the U.S. illegally surged again in August, according to U.S. Border Patrol Uh, agents. And this is in South Texas. U.S. Customs and Border Protection is expected to publish the most recent arrest totals later this week. The numbers will be used to gauge the effect of the president's order halting the separation of migrant parents from their children. Agents working the Rio Grande Valley, which is the nation's busiest corridor for illegal aliens. So they've seen more families turn themselves in and ask for asylum in recent weeks. They keep coming and coming. There were some really large groups. Anytime you have to use buses to come and pick them up, it's not a good sign. So there's been a lot of upset. Obviously, President Trump blew up at border security uh, because he's just upset. Arrests have topped 50,000 for three consecutive months. Um, He got upset with Kirsten Nielsen and said she needs to close the border. The numbers dipped in June and July, but those numbers are consistent with seasonal patterns because of the heat. And another border agent said, We're really getting hit hard. So the president is considering, I saw in the news yesterday, that he's considering utilizing the U.S. military, the Army Corps of Engineers, and dollars that are dedicated to other programs in the military to get the border wall built in the face of intransigence from Republicans in Congress and the refusal of Democrats to even acknowledge that this, is, that this is a real issue. What's real about it? Well, let's just first agree geographically without consulting maps that Bangladesh is not a country that is contiguous to the United States. It does not share the landmass of North America. Yet Bangladeshi nationals, 100 of them, have been apprehended near the Texas border in the past three weeks. Laredo sector border control agents continue to lead the nation in apprehension of Bangladeshi nationals who illegally crossed the border from Mexico into Texas. 622 Bangladeshi people have been arrested in the Laredo section of the southern border. On September September 7th, Laredo Sector agents apprehended a group of five illegal immigrants who crossed the Rio Grande into the Santa Rita subdivision. The agents interviewed the group and learned that they came to the U.S. from Bangladesh. The Bangladeshis were two juveniles and three adults. A few weeks ago, the number of arrests was at 520 after agents arrested more than 20 Bangladeshi nationals over a short period of days. The rate of apprehensions in the Laredo section has accelerated over the past three months. If the trend continues, there could be more than 700 who've been arrested before the fiscal year ends in September. So last fiscal year, the entire year, 181 Bangladeshis were arrested. This year, we're looking at 622. It'll top out at 700. What do you think's happening? Uh, probably the Bangladeshis who were arrested and are still in the country communicated with other Bangladeshis back at home and said, water's fine, come on in. And so they're flying to Mexico and crossing the border illegally. They can't fly into America without the proper documentation. They would get stopped at customs. So they want to come in in the manner that other people are coming in and getting to stay. Instead of being turned around, they want to come in in a way that makes it so that they're not forced to leave they want to flout our immigration laws now laredo sector acting chief patrol agent jason owens previously said that the laredo sector is targeted because of a lack of a physical border there there's no physical border barrier there no wall there's no fence he said the mexican cartel known as los zetas chooses when and where migrants will cross the border and that the Bangladeshis, mostly young men between the ages of 18 and 35, pay up to 27000 each to be smuggled into the U.S. When we talk about the different groups that are crossing into an area, what we're trying to draw attention to is a more comprehensive look at our threat picture. We need to stay away from just focusing on the family units and unaccompanied alien children. What the men and women of the Border Patrol are dealing with on a daily basis is that they're concerned that this is a threat to our national security that we could see an increase in terrorism, not because specifically they're Bangladeshis, but because of the mechanisms that are being employed to get here. What do they need to be here for that's so important that they would spend 27000 and where are poor Bangladeshis getting $27,000 from to cross? First to fly here, they pay for all, all of the, the mechanisms to be employed so they can get to Mexico so they can cross over. They have to actually pay Mexican drug cartels the money to help them pass into the country illegally. Why would they be doing that just to get here to what? Live and pick fruit? Because that's what the Democrats want everybody to think that they're doing is they're just here to pick fruit. Leave them alone. They're here to do the jobs that nobody else will do. When we know good and well that Americans will do all the jobs. Americans will do all of the jobs. We don't need foreigners to come here and do those jobs. I mean, so why? Why are they coming in? So, well, one, one thing that people are doing, I don't know if it's the Bangladeshis or not, but one thing that people are doing when they get here is illegal immigrants have been cited in the theft of 39 million social security numbers. 39 million social security numbers. That's almost as many black Americans are as in this country. Nearly 40 million social security numbers have been stolen and used by illegal immigrants and others to get work, according to agency records obtained by an immigration reform group. The Immigration Reform Law Institute said that between 2012 and 2016, there were 39 million instances where names and social security numbers on W 2 tax forms did not match the corresponding social security records. The group said that there's a thriving black market used by illegal immigrants to get social security numbers needed to get a job. The report draws attention to the move by former President Barack Obama to stop sending so-called no-match letters to employers identifying the fact that the employee and wage forms didn't match. So again, Mr. I take credit for everything good and no, and I deny everything bad, Mr. Open Borders America, President Obama, gave an order so that no-match letters weren't sent to employers so people could work here illegally. That's how he rolled. The change followed the president's decision to approve amnesty for 700,000 illegal aliens under DACA. Several groups promoting immigration reform and limitations have shown that illegal immigrants compete with low-income black Americans for jobs. Social Security numbers of young children are especially sought by illegal aliens as this theft is likely to go undetected for years. Then, when the children who are actual Americans, reach their teenage years and apply for credit cards, for loans, for car loans, student loans, and other needs, they find that their credit has been compromised. They've already got mortgages. They've got credit cards. They even have criminal records. The investigation shines a light on the depth of America's problems as a result of allowing illegal aliens to enter the country. Dale Wilcox is executive director and general counsel of IRLI. It also debunks the idea that being in the country illegally is a victimless crime. Millions of Americans, in many cases our children, are having their identities stolen to enable even more criminal activity. Illegal aliens should not reap social security benefits that result from the commission of identity theft after they've stolen their way into the country. I hate the way all of these stories ignore the original crime. The first crime is toe number 1 over the border and you don't have proper papers that's the first crime everything you do after that is in comm- it's furtherance of the commission of the original crime and they're they I mean it's isn't it interesting that they're stealing from our kids so where are the democratic senators and congressmen saying not one more kid you know how they are not one more if something happens they don't like not one more well Saying not one more in this instance doesn't go along with the open borders fanaticism that we're seeing from the left. They want more of these people here so they can vote. Which is, it, it's, it's absolutely criminal. It's ludicrous. It's ridiculous. So, we have that going on. And then, of course, there's a huge statement... Um, from the press secretary, and it has to do with, um, oh, it has to do with Baghdad. So over the past few days, we've seen life-threatening attacks in Iraq, including on the United States consulate in Basra and against the American embassy compound in Baghdad. Iran did not stop, did not act to stop these attacks by its proxies in Iraq, which which it has supported with funding, training, and weapons. The United States will hold the regime in Tehran accountable for any attack that results in injury to our personnel or damage to United States government facilities. America will respond swiftly and decisively in defense of American lives. Whoa, there's a lot going on, isn't there? Wow. Um, there's that. And then, of course, there are all of the preparations that are going on um, with Americans on the border for the incoming hurricane which I'd like to point you to if you're especially if you're interested in um helping to rebuild in Houston or being on the list to help with whatever will have to be done after the current hurricane Florence um you've got to go to 8daysofhope.com it's 8daysofhope.com and Eight Days of Hope volunteers responded last year by helping to build hundreds of families, rebuild their homes, um, and rebuilding 50 new kitchens, hanging sheetrock, removing debris, and so much more. To volunteer for the Houston, Texas rebuilding effort, you can go to 8 And please don't forget, as listening audience here, we, we are all praying for those in the path of Hurricane Florence. And as you heard at the top of the news where we had One News Now, if you're in the listening audience and you're in that area, we encourage you to please, if you're within the path of the storm, don't try to ride it out. Get to safety. Uh, you know, Drive to stay with relatives or friends. Um, go and stay in, you know, in a hotel for, for a bit, just to the, the first initial. They're saying that the hurricane is going to make landfall and then sit there. And it's just going to be bad weather sitting over that area, resulting in up to six feet of flooding, which will be catastrophic if people are still there, because when the floodwaters are that high, you can't just drive out. If you're there when the floodwaters crest, you won't be able to get in your car and drive away. Cars will be washed away. People will be washed away. And it will be very hard for rescue to get in there. So please keep that in mind. And for those of us who aren't in the path, we got to pray. All right, that's the music. We'll be back with more uh, last segment of the show right after these messages. Stay there. What does it take to live an uncommon life? Here's former Super Bowl winning coach Tony Dungy with today's Uncommon Moment. There is no clearer showcase of your character than the way you treat others and expect them to treat you. The way you handle relationships, particularly your close ones, will impact every other area of your life in one way or another. According to 1 Corinthians 13, love means doing everything for someone else's benefit. That doesn't mean passively giving in to the other person's every wish or being dominated in the relationship, it means making every decision with the other person's well-being in mind. Be active in the lives of your spouse, your family members, and your friends. Real love changes lives, including yours. New York Times best-selling author, Tony Dungy. Discover more at CoachDungy.com. That's CoachDungy.com.
0: This is Life Issues with Brad Mattis, president of Life Issues Institute. The American Medical Association, or AMA, was once held in high regard, but now less than a quarter of practicing doctors are AMA members because it's a political organization. Their official journal recently attacked pro-life women health centers, calling them unethical because their most grievous violation is not referring women to abortionists. While abortion mills charge for their services, pro-life pregnancy centers provide everything free, including pregnancy and STD testing and ultrasounds. A new study by the Charlotte Logier Institute shows the centers last year provided $1.6 million worth of free services using tens of thousands of volunteers. Instead of attacking these centers, the AMA should start praising them. Like us on Facebook at Life Issues and stay informed. More informed than you've ever been. Donald Trump's America. Days after the New York Times published an op-ed piece critical of the president, White House spokeswoman Sarah Sanders continued to call on the Department of Justice to investigate whether any laws were broken.
1: We would consider someone who is actively trying to undermine the executive branch of our government uh, inappropriate and something certainly to cause concern and they should take a look at it.
0: But undermining the executive branch is not a violation of the U.S. Criminal Code, a point that was brought up to Sanders.
1: I'm not an attorney. It's the Department of Justice to determ- make that determination and we're asking them to look into it and make that determination and they certainly uh, are fully capable of doing that.
0: The Justice Department typically only investigates leaks that involve classified information, which does not appear to be the case with the New York Times op-ed. President Trump has called the The author of the op-ed gutless and a coward and suggested the op-ed could damage national security at the white house john decker fox news welcome back to stacy on the right on american family radio and urban family talk former president obama taking the rare step of coming off the sidelines and entering the political fray aiming to help democrats take back the house calling out president trump by name in illinois It did not start with Donald Trump. He is a symptom, not the cause.
1: And barnstorming in critical races in California.
0: The fact is that uh, if we don't step up, uh, things can get worse. For his part, President Trump tried to dismiss his predecessor. I watched it, but I fell asleep. (laughs) The vice president taking a different tactic. It was very disappointing to see president Obama break with the tradition of former presidents and become so political and roll out the same tired arguments.
1: Well, okay. Uh, I think those are pretty interesting responses. Welcome back to the show, everybody. AFR.net, urbanfamilytalk.com. Thanks for being with us today. Um, That was NBC's Kristen Welker characterizing President Obama's criticism of President Trump as breaking with tradition. Uh, I think if the shoe was on the other foot and it was George Bush who'd broken that tradition they would have been much, much more caustic in their comments. As it was, it was as if she was reporting that um, there was a new kind of flower that was in bloom. No, nothing nothing to be alarmed about. Just, just another day, you know, another day, another dollar. There you go. Um, the call lines are open. You can call in and join the program at 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037. Um, so let's also, there's a little bit of good news as it pertains to immigration, and that is that Attorney General Sessions has welcomed the largest class of immigration judges ever. So uh, this is fantastic. He says he even plans to see that number grow further Uh, by increasing the number of judges that they're tapping to handle immigration by the end of the year. He delivered remarks before 44 new immigration judges who were assembled at the Virginia headquarters of the Executive Office for Immigration Review, which oversees the immigration court system. The group, Sessions noted, was the largest class of judges in immigration court history. I'm honored and excited to welcome the largest class of immigration judges in history, 44 new immigration judges, Each of you will play a critical role in our legal system, and I have no doubt that you will be up to the task. The new class also means that there are more immigration judges active today than ever before, and there are still more to come. Attorney General Sessions promised a cumulative 50% increase in the number of immigration judges by year's end. The reason for this flurry of activity is the Attorney General's effort to curb the overwhelming backlog of immigration court cases, Late last year, President Trump temporarily mobilized hundreds of immigration court judges to help cut the number of cases pending in the backlog. The Department of Justice claimed some successes in October, showing that they had addressed 2,700 more cases thanks to the surge. But recent analysis indicates that the DOJ is still struggling to make a dent. There were some 700,000 cases pending as of May, according to the Transactional Records Access Clearinghouse, which attributed the phenomenon to the increase in the amount of time it takes for an average case to clear. Now, what I find fascinating about this is that everyone who just puts toe on American soil gets to have their day in court as if they have the same rights as a citizen. Due process should be a right that is remanded to citizens. You can't just show up here and then demand your day in court to force America to consider your application for immigration ahead of the hundreds of thousands of people who are applying through the regular process, who they don't put toe on American soil. They just pay the immigration attorneys and they start the 10-year, 11-year, sometimes 15-year process. It's pretty amazing that we permit this. In his remarks, Attorney General Sessions blamed the surging backlog on the increase in specious or false asylum claims, noting that the number of those seeking asylum who appeared in an immigration court rose from 4,000 in 2009 to 73,000 in 2016 say that again. In 2009, 4,000 asylum cases were seen in immigration court. In 2016, 73,000 cases were seen in immigration court. Our system was not designed to handle thousands of new asylum claims every month from individuals who illegally flood the border. But that is what has been happening and it has overwhelmed the system. The attorney general also took the opportunity to defend a recent immigration court ruling issued by his office, which restricted the eligibility for asylum. The ruling has received pushback in Congress, but from Sessions' point of view, it is part of enforcing immigration law as it exists and keeping the borders under control. Attorney General Sessions said, let me say this clearly. It is perfectly legitimate, moral, and decent for a nation to have a legal system of immigration and to enforce the system it adopts. No great and prosperous nation can have both a generous welfare system and open borders. Such a policy is both radical and dangerous, and it must be rejected out of hand. Now, what I see as being super important about all of this is that this is only allowed to happen because we as a nation of people, of voters, have allowed it to happen. We have allowed emotional rhetoric and pictures, and people telling us that we're horrible people if we don't want open borders to cause us to basically advocate for lawlessness. And when I say us, I'm talking about the Christian population in this country, those of us who understand that we have to one day account for this. It, it, the worst of it is that churches have been co-opted into this activity. Churches have been co-opted into receiving government money to help set up these refugee stations in this country to help shepherd people who are here illegally into free clothes, free shoes, free toys, free places to live, which is a magnet for other people who want to be here illegally. Just think, you get here illegally, and a church that's getting money from the federal government as an NGO, non-governmental organization, sets you up with everything you need. You just walk in, you take the keys, and you're good to go. Are you not going to call down to Mexico and tell your relatives, Not only is it safe to come here, look, I'm sending, I'm texting you pictures. Look at how, look what they gave me. The local church gave me everything that I need. They set up our whole household and now our kids are getting free school clothes and free toys and they'll be in school. Of course your whole family's going to come. Why wouldn't they? We're all being used. The generosity of our spirits and our desire to help those who are in need, it's being, we're being used. Churches in America, we already have a huge burden with American citizens who are living in poverty, living below the poverty level, people who don't have running water. These places still exist in America, and our first allegiance, our first duty is to Americans who are living in poverty, orphans living in America, children who don't have parents living in America, children whose parents are incarcerated living in America. Our duty is not to build facilities to house people from other countries to be here on our dime. That is not a part of what we are called to do. It's not Christian. It's not a part of what we are supposed to do as citizens, as people, you name it. Those who don't look after their own first are worse than infidels. That's, that's from the Bible. And we know it's not right because the people who are coming here to do this are here illegally. They've broken the law. And no point in the Bible does it say, find people who've broken the law and help them. No, we we are to care for those who are incarcerated. We're to care for those who are widowed. We're to care for the sick and the infirm and the poor. But we're not to go pluck poor people from other countries and allow them to come here for us to take care of while ignoring our own citizens who are here, who are poverty stricken, who need our care. They need to hear the gospel from us. They need to have us sit with them and pray. They need us to show them how to live in a way that they can eventually become self-sustaining and self-sufficient. That is what we're supposed to be doing, not taking money from the government to help people break the law. I know I'm going to get some nasty emails about that, but the truth is the truth, and, I, and I'm here to tell it. So you've got all that going on. And then, circling back around to where we started off a little bit, um, you've got President Trump actually making this announcement that the GDP numbers are awesome and taking a shot at his political opponents. So the GDP rate is 4.2%, which is higher than the unemployment rate. That hasn't happened in America in over 100 years. The GDP rate has also been revised Upward. First quarter, it was only 2.2 percent, but it looks like it's going to be revised up to 4.4 percent. The second quarter GDP numbers, which is phenomenal. Expectations for third quarter GDP numbers is also 4.4 percent. That's not just a, 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 a uh, you know recovery. That's a boom that's that's happening. You know when you're sitting someplace. When we were uh, on vacation over the summer, we were sitting on the beach and we heard a roar of engines. And that's something that you hear often because you're really close to uh, Eglin Air Force Base when you're in Destin. So we're sitting there and we glance up and we had just broken out our little chicken sandwiches. We glance up and there are four F-16s flying overhead. And it was just so awesome because, you know, so me and my husband met. In the Air Force and we both used to work on Eglin Air Force Base. So we heard the the scream of jet engines all the time. We, we could go out at lunch and sit in a little overhang at, uh, where there were picnic tables and eat our lunch and watch the planes take off and land. And it was so cool to sit there and, and they, they seemed close enough that we could have just tossed a rock up and hit them. They were so close. And they flew right overhead. And if you've ever been sitting watching and seen an aircraft uh, break the sound barrier and actually see the moment when the sound is made and the plane keeps going and it's like the sound is behind, it's pretty amazing. And that's what we're seeing in the economy right now. I liken it to the economy hitting the sound barrier and breaking it. And it's just so shocking that a lot of people don't know how to respond. I think we should respond by thanking God, praising him, lifting our hands up in praise and admiration for the goodness that he's allowing us to experience right now and taking advantage of it by doing you know, whatever... whatever in your prayer closet, the Lord is asking you to do with that money. Give, save, what have you. Um, Here's a quote from the president. He was talking about GDP numbers back in 2016. And he said, if the Democrats had won the election in 2016, GDP, which was about 1% and going down, would have been minus 4% instead of 4.2% up. I opened our beautiful economic engine with regulation and tax cuts. Our system was choking and could have been made works. There's still plenty to do. If the Democrats had won the election in 2016, GDP, which was at about 1% and going down, would have been minus four. <laughs> now, to be correct, to be accurate, the annual GDP for 2016 was 1.6%, which is awful. It wasn't 1%. It was 1.6. The economy clearly is moving a lot better than it was under President Obama, but he did have a couple of fi- quarters of 5% growth back in 2014. So just to, just, we, we want to be accurate here. President Obama presided over two quarters of 5% economic growth while he was president. But they were also offset by really poor quarters, which kept Obama's annual GDP numbers below 3%, often well below at the tepid 2.1% rate. If the economy now can keep this plus percent growth going. We will see an annual GDP of over 3.7 percent for 2018. That will have happened for the first time since 2005. So that's pre-Obama. And that also portends really good numbers for next year. Um, the other thing that people have said, especially uh, economists, have said that if President Trump can get past this whole tariff thing uh, with China and with other countries, if he can get some deals on the table and not be applying these tariffs, that it could possibly even be a year where we had 5% growth as well, um, which would be outstanding. So, you know, everybody just let's let's keep our let's keep our prayers up for the president. We are tasked to pray for those who are in authority over us. And it was a struggle for me when President Obama was, was in charge, but I prayed for him. I did. And we have to pray for President Trump as well, for his wisdom, uh, for, for his temper to be, you know, tamped down, um, for, for wisdom, for him to be surrounded by people who want to help him for him to be able to root out those who are working in his presence, in his administration, who are working against him, that those people would be found and brought to justice. Um, We got to be praying for those things. And it's especially important, I can speak from personal experience, if you dislike President Obama, or I'm sorry, if you dislike President Trump, the way I disliked President Obama, his presidency. Praying for him softened my heart towards him. So that I was able to see when he was actually doing something that was, you know, not bad. It actually, that, that that's what prayer, that's part of what prayer does. It softens your heart towards those you're praying for. It doesn't mean you're suddenly going to become an Obama supporter. That never happened to me. But it helped me. And it can help you too. And I understand where you are. Because that's the way I felt about President Obama. So I know how you feel. But God has an answer for that as he does for all of our problems. So... That's the show. God bless. Have a fantastic night. Signing off from the heartland. See you tomorrow, citizens.